Hey, hey folks, and welcome to another Dicing with Design. We're on episode 21. This time around, we're talking to Paco from GMS Magazine. We got in contact just recently uh, because uh, they're currently running a Kickstarter called Dyson Slice. Uh, And the reason it kind of popped out at me was because it's a bit of a unique proposition. Uh, They're looking to start up a TV programme, or a a web show I should say, around games and cooking. (laughs) So it's a bit of a a strange mix, but uh, I thought it sounded really interesting. Uh, Kind of into both I suppose, so that's what I tried to mean in the first place, but uh, I just thought it sounded a bit different. So it may seem a wee departure from the standard games design stuff, but I think it'd be really interesting to some of the games designers out there, uh, as well as those just into games in general, because uh, Paco's talking about how to design a, a TV show, a web show, all around games. He's talking about lots of technology in here, about how you can possibly promote your games. Stuff like, um, he's talking about the video editing kit, all that kind of thing. Anything that, uh, if you wanted to get something out there, start showing uh, your own game off to the community that you could use. And finally, Paco's a bit of an aspiring games designer himself, and he's come up with a couple of games. Uh, And we have a chat about that in the latter part of the interview, where he tells me about the games that he's come up with, uh, which both sound pretty interesting. So uh, hang around for that as well. But just fair warning that it's uh, maybe a little bit away from the standard games design stuff, uh, if that's what you really listen to that show, this show for. But I had a great time talking to Paco, so I'd really encourage you to uh, have a listen anyway. It's good for uh, just general gaming interest. Looking forward to your feedback as usual. Uh, the contact details are at the end of the show. Talk to you then. Dicing with design, giving games life. Uh, so yeah, welcome to the uh, the show, Paco. Thanks very much for coming on Dicing with Design. Oh, thank you very much for, for having us around. It's, it's, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you very much indeed. No, that's fine. It's been great to get you on. Uh, and uh, yeah, so um, I, I just spotted you via your Kickstarter, Lee. I think you'd announced it on uh, Twitter. I came across it. Uh, so that's, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll have a wee chat about that later on. But it'd be great to get a little intro to yourself and your history and gaming and all that kind of stuff beforehand. So uh, do you mind just uh, telling us a little bit about yourself, how you got into this caper? Right. Um, in in gaming, I got um, well over twenty years ago in in Spain when mm-hmm. I was still a, a, a whippersnapper, um, and and did my um, Dungeons and Dragons like you know most of us got into it, and um, then when I came to this country four years ago, I I began to see blogs and thought, oh, I you know I I could see myself doing blogging, and it seems that bloggers get free games as well. <laughs> uh, so I started a blog, and then I realized actually bloggers don't really get an awful lot of free games. We end up spending a lot more money than, <laughs> than bloggers in, in games. And, uh, I started the, the, the blog, and I found, thank goodness, I was blessed uh, with some fantastic contributors, really, really amazing, wonderful people. And uh, things took off. I decided I wanted to do a podcast. Uh, because I like doing interviewing and I wanted to do my own reviews. And I wanted to, you know, have have my say. And um, for some reason, it seems that people started to like it um, because things took off. And uh, from going once a month, I do it twice a month and then once a week. And now I produce, I don't know how many podcasts every month. Uh, we have a weekly podcast where we do board game reviews. 
and uh, we have a ad hoc podcast where we do board game stuff, which is hosted by Dr. Mike Reddy. And uh, we're going to start doing an RPG review room podcast in April with Zeitgeist, which is possibly the most prolific RPG reviewer in existence. And uh, we're also doing another RPG room uh, just to talk about RPG, which we're going to do twice a month as well. Uh, and we have plenty of room for more podcasts. If people wanted to have their own podcast, we'd be more than happy to, to help on that one. So <laughs> it's just going absolutely mental. That's brilliant. So you're building a bit of a network then. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I, I've always been very... Um, very keen on not doing things by myself you know gaming is a very social thing and i think it only makes sense that when you're doing things that are about gaming you involve the gamers because just doing by your own is doesn't really make a lot of sense to me yeah so i I wanted to have people around me people i like people i trust people who i can rely on to do things with which is why i have the the contributors and that's why i have all the co-hosts in my podcasts yeah that's brilliant so you've been doing it sorry the podcast is how old the podcast began in February 2011. Oh, okay, great. A couple of years at least. Oh, mm-hmm. four, three years even. Yes, yeah. Wow. <laughs> what <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> so you started out with uh, D&D, as you, like you say, as most of us did. Uh, what kind of stuff are you playing these days? Well, at the moment, um, we are playing, role-playing game-wise, we are playing The One Ring. Mm-hmm. We started recently, um, well, recently, a few months ago, with Rise of the Room Lords. And uh, we decided to to have a break after we finished with the first chapter. And now we're playing The One Ring, which it's got us absolutely enthralled. Uh, We really are in love with uh, the the abstract mechanics and and the the strange way of using character skills and character abilities to do basically whatever you want. It's it's, it's quite amazing how well it reflects the, the world of Tolkien and... Um, the interim between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, how Nepitello has really, really captured the atmosphere very well indeed. We are totally enamored with the whole dice system and the, the romanticism of the time and, and the dangers of Middle-earth. It's, it's wonderful. Hmm, sounds good. I haven't come across that one, actually. I haven't read it. Um, what's, is there any kind of uh, particular shtick to it? What's the kind of central mechanic? Well, the central mechanic is... Um, you basically roll for success. You have a little pool of D6s. Sure. And you have a target. And uh, you need to roll over the target with an average target being 14. Uh-huh. But uh, you also have what's called a, a kind of destiny die, which is a D12. And in the D12, you get you can get a, a Tenua, uh, which is the Gandalf room, <laughs> or the Eye of Sauron. If you roll... Uh, it doesn't matter how bad you are at anything. You can be completely useless at whatever it is, but you can always roll that D12. Yeah, and okay. the, the, the Gandalf room, then you always succeed no matter what. Right. So characters are never useless at anything. Yeah. Uh, but also, if you roll the Eye of Sauron during your roll, that can make you weary and can uh, take you towards the size of the shadow, you know, and, and give you shadow points. That means that your character becomes uh, broodier or more interested and more taken with with the whole uh, side of the ring, you know, and, and side of Sauron. So you have an awful lot of very interesting ways of 
character development, not just within gathering your abilities, but also being able to develop the personality of the character by the imposition of the shadow points and how you lose hope or how you gain hope as uh, as, as the game progresses. Mm. So the, the whole thing is, yeah, it's, it's very abstract, but it's also really, really attractive and a lot easier to get to grips with than we thought it was going to be to start with. Yeah, really? Okay. So it's quite, is it quite an easy system to learn then? It's uh, it's not a difficult system to learn, but it's it's a fairly difficult system to play because it's so different from any other fantasy um, setting that I have ever seen. Uh, you know, if you look at the previous Lord of the Ring based um, games, they they were very you know the the old Iron Crown Enterprises was very very heavy D hundred. Um, this is very different. The, in in this particular game, you announce right. I have beast law. Uh, can I use my knowledge of beast law to actually aid my hunting abilities and track if there are any beasts following us or if there are any beasts that have gone about um, where where we are and see if I can camp safely? So you can use that that way. Um, song, for example, which doesn't necessarily mean singing, mm-hmm. but it is more to do with inspiration and how to gather your forces and your strength and help your friends to overtake whatever challenge there might be. So you have an awful lot of freedom as to what you do with your character. Um, and it plays beautifully. It's just been done so, so well and so sympathetically with Middle-earth mm-hmm. that the whole thing falls into place wonderfully well. That's really interesting. I can see what you mean about the abstractness of the of the system, like in terms of the song and stuff like that. That's yeah, I'll have to look that up. Who's the who's the writer? The creator? The creator is Francesco Napitello and the publisher is Cubicle Seven. The game has been out for a couple of years now. And apart from having the most wonderful production values, you know, um, John Hoxon, the art director, did an absolutely incredible work. Right. They managed to get John Howe, who is, you know, the as far as I'm concerned, John Howe is the authority together with Alan Lee on Middle Earth artwork. And he managed to get John Howe to, to do some drawings and then John John Hoxon did the painting on top of those drawings. Mm. The whole thing is really, really tied, really beautiful. It's just wonderful just to flick over the pages and it's been written so, so nicely. The prose in those really? two just fantastic <laughs> sounds good it's always nice when you get a little bit of uh, decent fiction or decent fluff in there as well isn't it you can get involved in yes absolutely games yes. Around. yeah and done so well it really has been done so 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 well yeah definitely that sounds great excellent so that's role playing so you play what kind of other you play board games as well obviously you mentioned board games um, for uh, your unboxings and stuff like that what are you on with uh, that just now well, um, we play a single game every week um, uh-huh. because that's how we review in our podcast. We, it's the, the, our podcast is all dedicated about what happens when you play the game for the first time. Ah, okay, sure. Love with it? Is it going to be a game that will need more than one game to get into it? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, when, when you buy a board game, you're spending a fair amount of money, um, you know, 40, 40, 45 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever. And if you play the game the first time, and it's a difficult game to get to grips with, you may feel disinclined to try again, and you may feel disappointed. So what we're trying to do is to tell you, this is what you're going to encounter. These are the difficulties. These are the challenges. So if you don't like 
these sort of challenges, you know, like difficult rules or too many decisions or not enough decisions or the deck building not being the strongest or something like that, then we want you to know so you can make an informed decision before you buy the game. Hmm. Um, so we play pretty much anything that comes to, to our, into our hands, you know, um, favorites, uh, Gluck Alf, uh, which has been translated into English as Call Baron. Uh, recently was on our table and we reckon that it's going to be if not the winner the very very least nominated for the spiel the jarris 2014 because it's, it's an absolutely incredible game uh, whereas we also play some more ameritrashy things you know um, we played <laughs> recently um firefly ah, okay yep terrific fun really good fun <laughs> uh co-op games uh, mice and mystics one of my favorite games of all time uh we, we play a little bit of everything mm-hmm. you know, that, that comes to, to the table excellent i actually uh i was about to pick up the um, firefly rpg recently haven't quite got it yet but uh quite fancy it. i've heard it's a little bit trashy as well so yeah it could be quite good fun <laughs> but i've not spotted the board game <laughs> oh, the, well the, you mean the firefly the old game or the new one the new you know the new um it's an add-on to uh, a different system though so it's not actually a system itself uh what was it called again I can't remember now, but yeah, there's a, basically somebody's come up with it or they've built a, an environment for the Firefly uh, universe around a certain system and I quite fancied looking it up just because I really enjoyed the, the programme. Yeah, that, that should be really good. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what Margaret Weiss production is going to do with with the whole thing. You know, I was, yes. I was talking with uh, Monica Valentinelli not long ago and they're writing so much stuff and, mm. and they have such a fantastic team on board. I think that game could be absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, it might actually be them that's done the RPG as well. That name rings a bell. It was a while back I read about it, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so you you almost act like a, um, a teacher, a board game teacher every time you're unboxing these then. Is that what it is? It's meant to sort of offer some tips and getting involved in them and as well as the buying advice. Well, the, the, the unboxing videos game... Um, once I got disappointed mm-hmm. buying a game. And then uh, another time when I got really excited about about the game. And I thought, blimey, again, people have to buy these games. And aside from the photographs that come in the box, it's very difficult to actually have a proper um, vision, you know, proper idea as to mm. whether spending the money is worth it or not. Now, because I'm a graphic designer uh, and art director by trade, I thought that I would put my expertise to use and do some um, unboxing videos, but really being able to showcase exactly what people are getting and why things are good or not. You know, so I can I can take a look at the board and and see whether the graphic design is is conclusive to making the game easy or more difficult, and I can take a look at the rules book and just by looking at it, you know, I can take a look at the layout and see if the layout is going to be difficult or easy uh, to read, and I can take a look at the minis and decide well these are good quality or they are no good quality or what have you. So we decided to start doing those, um, literally with just a little bit of a more than a mobile phone it was mm-hmm. at the very beginning uh, my other half and I uh, did them quite basically and then Martin uh, who is listening very patiently here decided that <laughs> we could do a lot better and uh, we started to to do better didn't we we did yes 
I mean, that was the uh, was the key to it, really, I think, because it was one of those things where I think we were producing some quite satisfactory output, but we thought we could make it a lot more professional. So we we moved on to a different level with additional equipment and more cameras and superior microphones and various other things to try and uh, improve the production, partly for our own satisfaction, but also for the benefit of those people who are obviously watching them and taking quite an interest in them. Mm. In fact, I knew, to be honest, I knew nothing about unboxings at all until we started doing them. Um, <laughs> and although I have no interest really whatsoever in the games, to be perfectly honest, and you, you, you might come back to that later, <laughs> but um, it's opened a whole new area to me because when I'm now thinking of buying anything that comes in a box, uh, I'm on YouTube trying to find out what exactly is in the box. And, you know, you can nearly always find that somebody is uh, unboxed, whatever it might be when you buy it. <laughs> particularly if we're buying microphones or whatever it might be for our um, for our work, as it were, then uh, it's quite handy to be able to see what's in the box. And so I've discovered a whole, a completely new universe of information out there that uh, is worth tapping into when you need to. <laughs> yeah, you find with anything technology-based, you can uh, find somebody's unboxed it in some way. I had to I have to admit, I never came across unboxings either until about... Uh, what was it about maybe a year or so ago and then that was when I really started getting into the audio stuff uh, in a serious way and it was exactly like say picking up microphones uh, mixers that type of thing as soon as you start looking into that you can't avoid the the unboxings and everyone looking at exactly what bits of a microphone are in there <laughs> it's, really, it's really useful actually I find it it's terribly damaging to the credit card that's the only downside. oh absolutely yes shiny new things eh <laughs> But yeah, I, can, I mean, you guys obviously put a bit more work into that kind of stuff. Like the quality of uh, that's coming through your microphones right now is obviously far higher than most of the people that uh, we get on here. But then, if you're producing microphone, uh, producing podcasts yourself, then you're probably similar to me, a little bit geeky in terms of audio quality. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, well, we we it's rather interesting because um, my objective is really to produce the best output that we possibly can do. But we um, we had a bit of a problem. Uh, uh, a little while ago with one of the events that we went to to record mm -hmm. and we were um a little bit disadvantaged because the the the, the, the video um pictures were fine audio was quite poor and it occurred to me that in fact particularly on seminars and, and i mean pod, audio podcasts it's critical really that in fact um, when you're watching uh, a video presentation, you're prepared to tolerate poor quality pictures, providing you can hear what the, pe what the people are saying. But conversely, you can have the best pictures in the world, but if the audio is rubbish, then people are not going to watch it. And with that in mind, we decided that one thing that we needed to do a little while ago was to, um, was to upgrade our audio stuff, so we bought quite a lot of quite reasonable quality condenser microphones and we've recently got a proper kind of professional type mixing desk and various other things to make sure that we can produce good audio because i think um you can kind of wing it a bit with the uh, with the video if you have trouble with that but the 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 viewer is only going to pay attention if the audio is good and i think that's quite critical yeah absolutely yeah you've hit the nail on the head there that's a kind of uh, it's a, a maxim in the uh, video production industry make sure your audio is good because i suppose mm. especially with web uh, broadcasting too you're compressing the video down so far anyway that it ends up not being half the quality that you put out through your hd camera like costing five grand type of thing but yeah the audio comes across quite well so yes but um, sorry, go, for the unboxing of the games, I was just thinking it was. I can see why that would be 
particularly popular because I've had so many experiences myself of buying a board game. You know, you save up a little bit and spend 50 quid on a brand new board game and then it comes out and actually it's just kind of, you know, flimsy bits of cardboard and it's just not quite up to the production standards that you want. So it must be really nice to be able to have a look at the videos, make sure it's going to be a nice quality, quite rewarding to actually buy the thing and play it afterwards. So I can see why you've got the popularity behind them. No, thank you. It's, I, I think... It's it is quite as you say it is it is quite important. We we love doing it, and uh, and and people, including manufacturers, do appreciate that there is some sort of expertise and honesty. You know that we 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 kind of know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we obviously make our mistakes like everybody does, and sometimes I do see some surprises myself. But uh, generally, uh, we can give a fairly honest and and um, hopefully accurate assessment of what we see fingers crossed yeah <laughs> well that probably leads on quite well to your uh, current project then so uh the well, yeah so your kickstarter basically that's how i came across the uh, the whole thing I've, uh, i'm sure i maybe close was close to meeting you guys at um, or maybe just yourself paco at uh, um compulsion last year because i'm sure i tweeted at you a couple of times were you at compulsion either 2012 or in edinburgh I was in, in composing in 2013. 2013, yes. Yeah, last, last year. That yes. was the first time that um, I, I went to, to Edinburgh to Composition. Yeah. yeah. And uh, absolutely fantastic time. What yeah. a brilliant, brilliant crowd. I really wish I could go again this year because <laughs> I had absolutely brilliant time. Yeah. Really and everybody should be going to Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah, it's always a great event. Uh, but yeah, I I, I spotted your uh, Twitter tag a few times at that event. I was um, I was on Twitter a fair bit through that weekend, so that was how I, I recognised your name when it came up. I think maybe you're on a uh, RPG list or something in my uh, Hootsuite, so you popped up, and that's where I saw your Kickstarter. Uh, and I was just quite intrigued. So cooking and games. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a bit about how that that combination well, I, came about? <laughs> well, I I am. Um a, a very talented eater. Okay, yep. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and then so is Martin, because we, we cook an awful lot. And um, we eat even more than we cook. So we thought... Is that not quite tricky, to eat more than you cook? Um, well, it is, <laughs> but then we, we do go out from time to time. So, um, um, so we, we thought it would be a really good idea to mix both. Okay, well, in, in slightly more serious, I really hate passionately when I talk to people and I tell them that I'm a gamer and one of the one of the many myths that come to the table you know like um, uh, do you dress up in clothes and, and play around the table or do you practice black magic and witchcraft and uh, do you only eat pizza crisps and, eat, and drink soda and that drives me absolutely potty yeah completely utterly potty so I've I've always wanted to do something with with cooking and gaming together, um, to basically teach people, you know, these are the kind of recipes that you can cook. Um, because when when people get together to eat, so to game, uh, food tends to take a a second place. It's it's not an important. The gaming is important. It's not an important. Which is why we tend to go more for the junk food when we game together. That doesn't mean that we do it when we're not gaming, and. One of the things that I thought is it would be really cool to actually give a, make a show 
in which we can explain, you know, this is the game that we're going to play the, this evening, and we're going to show you how to play the game. We're going to tell you whether the game is any good or not, but also what could you be cooking around your mates, you know, when, when you have friends around, or what can you take to your friends to eat? Uh, that's nothing to do with, with crisps and, and pizza, because I don't know you, but when, when you eat crisps and pizza and that sort of finger food, you know, burgers, that sort of finger food, stuff like that, fingers get greasy, games get greasy, <laughs> I get grumpy. You know, greasy <laughs> games make for a very, very, very grumpy paco. And um, we, we went completely mad, Martin and I, and thought, we we, we pretty much have all the video equipment we need. I mean, I don't know how many thousands of pounds we've spent in equipment in the last three years, but I reckon I could have gone to Gen Con three or four times and back <laughs> with that amount of money, which is a lot. And, and we thought, well, why don't we do this? And uh, we thought, well, we, we can't because post-production takes a huge length of time. You know, when when you record a, a 15 minutes unboxing video, uh, there is another two to three hours work behind that. And doing the whole thing by post-production, I have a very, very busy job. Uh, Martin has a very busy job. We, we have our, our lives and we can dedicate a certain amount of time, but not enough to make it possible to do the whole post-production by hand. Um, yeah, so we, we thought that with this uh, little um, video switch, um, it would be, uh, it, it's exactly what we need to actually save us a huge, huge amount of time. And, uh, and we thought, right, why don't we go to Kickstarter to actually, you know, not, not just for getting the money, uh, which is indeed very important because it's a fair amount of money, uh, but also to give uh, a little bit of boost to the project and see if people would be interested and, and to involve the community. You know, the, the whole thing is, is a matter of us involving um, the gaming community. And uh, um, um, Martin was actually quite keen on the idea and doing all the editing. <laughs> yes, I think um, it, it'll be an interesting exercise to see how it works. I'm, I'm sure it will help. Um, in fact, I'm positive it'll help. Um, but I, th I think there'll still be some post-production work to do. But I'm sure you will know yourself from the from the audio podcasting viewpoint that you record a few minutes of audio and then it does take quite a long time to get it into a condition in which you want to put it out. <laughs> and um, we, I mean, yesterday we were doing a... Um, we did. We, we tend to do our unboxings in batches. So, um, about two or three weeks ago, we recorded what were effectively six lots of unboxing, which we're gradually editing and putting out over a period of time. And I was doing one yesterday, which um, it, it wasn't. Uh, it didn't occur to me as we were recording it that there were any issues with it. But obviously, when one sits down and edits it you begin to find that there are problems with it. And we ended up with a video of about 13 and a half minutes, um, which took me the best part of four hours to edit for various reasons. Um, <laughs> you can put three quarters of an hour down to the, to me on on, uh, on one of those because I, I fouled it up at one particular point. But it, it was because it was quite a complicated um, video with lots of uh, camera cuts and various other things pickups afterwards to cut to bring in little uh, minis to show in close up and that kind of thing all yeah. of which to do um it did create quite a bit of a problem and certainly quite a chunk of that four hours could have been saved i think if we'd been able to uh do a lot of the the cutting and the editing as we were going along yeah 
which is the the key feature of this bit of equipment that we're um, we've primarily set our hearts on as far as the production is concerned. Yeah, I'm having a look at it just now on your Kickstarter page. The the ATEM Television Studio. It looks a pretty nice bit of kit. Nice and uh, that's very, definitely shiny bits there. Plenty of buttons. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a new thing on the market, I think. I mean, oh, really? On no, well, it, it's. It, I think it's aimed at our kind of level, really, because right. although it, it it does a very professional job, at least as you know, as far as one can work out from the publicity, uh-huh. um, it, it's uh, what it does is it combines what are kind of consumer level components. Because, for instance, it will take HDMI outputs from cameras rather than the kind of HD SDI stuff that you mm. get out of professional cameras. Um, and secondly. Uh, you can run it by using what is effectively a software-based um, mixing desk rather than the normal hard hardware, as it were, with the buttons and the faders. Mm-hmm. You can do it all on a on a on a television screen using software, and of course that cuts down the cost considerably because an actual physical mixing desk that you you can add to this thing. You that was a that's one of our more ambitious stretch goals. <laughs> but, um, with that, really is arguably the most expensive component in the whole kit so you get the switch plus the software it does mean you can produce what is quite a professional output for a relatively economic uh, uh, financial investment and so that's that's ideally what we're hoping to do yeah no i mean the, the setup looks great it looks like i mean if you get all of this stuff you're already obviously well just say now you're already funded aren't you you're over you're 100 percent so you've got your initial, you've got your minimum. Um, but yeah, if you can get up to, you've got stuff like studio lights and you've got your massive monitor, stuff like that. It looks like, basically it looks like if you get up to your stretch goal five, you're going to have a professional TV studio almost. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we thought what's, what's the worst that could happen? You know, if, if we gave people, uh, if we managed to get enough money, we have enough space in the garden to, yeah. to set up a proper studio and uh, and be able to do even more work because every time that we need to do either unboxings or whatever we need to basically take out a chunk of the furniture from our sitting room set up all the lights set up all the cross all the all the tripods and the cameras and the everything's and then finish recording and then put it all away because otherwise we don't have seats to (laughs) yeah living space (laughs) yeah Yeah. so if we could have that we could have the video set up completely up all the time and, and do even more things and, and offer it again, offer it to the community. You know, mm-hmm. if anybody wanted to come and do their own videos, I can't see any reason why that wouldn't be achieved. So yeah. it's, again, anything that we can give back to the community it's, would be a great idea. That's excellent. I mean, I can see why it's, like I say, it's funded already and you've still got 34 days to go. I can see it. So it's obviously caught people's imagination. It's, it's in demand. And I can kind of see why. I mean, you've obviously got... Well, podcasts, uh, the gaming podcasts are a pretty huge community. I mean, there's dozens out there for really specific little niches. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm a bit, I'm into Warhammer, for example, and there's at least a dozen Warhammer podcasts out there that seem to be really well subscribed. So you come up with a, a TV show, uh, even if it's web broadcast, that people can subscribe to, learn about games, you know, find out all this uh, sort of news in the industry. I can see how it would be really popular. I'd certainly watch and you. you know what as well I, I, I probably not as cool to admit as you know been into games but I, I quite uh, enjoy a good cooking show from time to time being uh, known to watch Great British Break Off so the combination of the two does appeal to me as well I quite like that <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, glad to see that gamers represent such a broad church really with them, with them, with them. <laughs> 
But the thing is that cooking, even though for people who are not particularly interested in cooking, but it's a subject that because we all have to eat, yeah, yeah. it's a very interesting thing to do. And <laughs> pretty much everybody, you know, even again, people who don't care about cookery or whatever, yeah. if you give the choice between eating good food or eating mediocre food, they will go for the good food because it's so much more enjoyable. So yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I think it's a good combination. <laughs> well, I think people, when they're hosting their uh, their gaming evenings or their gaming weekends or whatever, you like to put on a good, you know, you like to be a good host. And if you knew you could put together some good meals for quite, uh, you know, little effort to feed your gamers, then I'd be up for that. Absolutely. I think I think the the key to it will be making sure that the recipes that we come up with are practical in terms of a gaming evening. I mean, yeah. Paco was referring earlier to the idea of the the greasy marks on your <laughs> marvelous playing cards. Yeah, I think it'll be necessary to try and find something that's not that's. Well, it's going to have to fulfil two basic requirements. One is that it's fairly easy to do because you don't want to be spending hours in the kitchen either before or during. Yeah. And secondly, that from a practical viewpoint, you can eat it while you're gaming. So um, I, th- I think the idea of um, roasting a swan, for instance, I, I don't suppose <laughs> you won't be doing that, I don't It'll need to be something on a slightly more basic level. Oh. But I, I, this will be interesting because what, obviously um, if listeners are going to have a look at the um, Kickstarter, and obviously we're hoping they will, one of the um, pledge levels is for people to um, specify or nominate or put forward the sort of food, that, the dish that they would like us to prepare. <laughs> send us the recipe for it as well and i think it'll be rather interesting to see um what people actually come up with in terms of the practicality and and hitting those two targets about ease of uh, ease of preparation and cleanliness of uh, of consumption when <laughs> time comes to doing it around the gaming table so i think that that's going to be interesting when we get a bit further on and we find out exactly what it is that we're meant to be preparing mm. yeah yeah <laughs> No, that's great stuff. I can't see. I can't wait to see what types of uh, food you're going to make with. Whether it's, you know, game uh, uh, themed stuff like you know fantasy buffets, and uh, you got to get your mead and uh, boar spits in there and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's actually not a bad idea. And that, yeah, you, you. I think you will see a fair amount of food that will be themed around the game that we're going to be playing that episode definitely that that would be really good fun for me as well as a challenge to, to cook the whole thing really. yeah great stuff <laughs> well i mean I, well you probably know our our sort of uh theme of the show is dyson with design so it's around games design actually i think we have a few quite a few games designers on board uh, as listeners and it looks like there's a good option for them in terms of um sponsoring shows and getting their own games on there so uh tell us what do you tell us about about those uh, levels on the on the kickstarter right the levels we decided to do them and think about the two different people who are going to be or could be interested in the show one would be the the the, the gamers and um, whether you are a gamer or a foodie um, there, there are pledge levels for you because you can either sponsor uh, one of the recipes or one of the desserts or you can just give us some money and we'll give you a t-shirt uh, with exclusive logo that it's going to be designed and will be chosen by the backers and, and that will be going to, to people who pledge for that level. But then we thought as well that it would be a good idea to have uh, some pledge levels for companies that want to showcase their games. So um, for £250, uh, companies can tell us, right, this is my game, I want you to play it and the whole episode will be around that particular game. 
Um, we've been very lucky. We already have Cubicle 7 on board. And, and they will be sending us the game and telling us what game they, we want, they want us to play. And that would be absolutely brilliant. Um, it's by far, if, if, if you are a small designer and you only have one or two games, this is possibly the best um, sponsorship option you have uh, because the whole episode is going to be about your game. And obviously, it will be um, pretty clearly marked um, where to get it and how good the game is. Uh, the higher levels are for people, for example, if you're a distributor and you have a fair amount of games in your portfolio, then you can sponsor the show. You can sponsor an episode and uh, we would put in either um, an advert or we will give us a, a short description, you know, two, three minutes of what your company does, what kind of games there are. Uh, just like you see in television, you know, this show is brought to you by <laughs> such and such, that sort of thing. And there is an option, again, if, if you have a little bit more cash, uh, for £5,000, people can uh, sponsor 25 unboxing videos. And again, if, if you're a company that has a fair amount of, of games uh, being distributed, this is the most cost-effective way of doing it. Uh, we also thought of shops, and we decided that we were going to have five episodes in which if, if shops, uh, they, they can pledge £1,000, wherever they are in, in mainland UK. And we will take our equipment, go to the shop, and record the whole episode in, in the shop. And featuring, of course, this is where we are, uh, featuring the whole space, and, and make use of that episode to advertise that one shop for the whole hour. And, of course, obviously, then we'll go to YouTube and it's going to be there forever. Um, and there is one pledge level. Uh, if people want to be really, really evil... Uh, they can pledge to make me vegan for a year. <laughs> now, I have absolutely nothing against vegan or vegetarianism, nothing at all. But I'm Spanish. And there is only one thing I know how to cook that is vegan friendly. Only <laughs> another one thing that I know how to cook, which is vegetarian friendly. So um, for me to become a vegan for a year, that would be hell. Without <laughs> cheese... Come on. <laughs> that would be extremely difficult. But people, if they hate me, it comes at a price. But if people hate me, they can make me suffer. <laughs> I, I think there's another dimension to that. And if that pledge level is achieved, I can see a whole new series of vegan cookery for gamers coming up. So you have the equipment to even better use then. There'll be a whole parallel series of additional productions that uh, Paco works his way gradually from being the committed carnivore that he presently is. <laughs> turning into something you know a little bit more environmentally friendly yes. shows, yeah. uh, on the cookery side so there's, there's, the <clears throat> possibilities are limitless almost yes. <laughs> i think even i would i would find it hard to go for a year without a chorizo uh, never mind uh, somebody from spain <laughs> well Ma martin probably has a few good <clears throat> anecdotes about me putting chorizo in pretty much anything <laughs> from sandwiches to stews to roasts to Anything. Oh, any he's pasta I make has to have chorizo in it. He's not put it in the pistachio ice cream yet, but it'll only be a, it's only a matter of time, I think. Paul. Just wait. Hey, Heston Blumenthal put bacon in ice cream. I can put chorizo. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I have to. Um, I was uh, mentioning it to Joe, uh, who's my co-host on Dyson with Design. He's the designer amongst us. I mean, we've all had a go at it, but he's the actual legitimate designer and released uh, seven or eight games so far. And I was trying to persuade him to, uh, you know, put in for a game changer supporter level, so we can that try and get one of his one of his games on there. But we'll see. 
That would be amazing. I mean, seriously, I, I think blowing our own trumpet of course but I think we were quite clever with the pledge levels because obviously as Packer says at, at, at what you might call the more uh, conservative level there are those just for the enthusiastic gamers mm-hmm. this, this is an opportunity for the people with games or shops or, or whatever to promote to get, get to get something on there on a, on a new project mm-hmm. um, and kind of get it out there I mean obviously we can't promise game designers that we're going to give a glowing report because yeah. if somebody this is a game that's not all that fantastic, then I'm afraid it's <laughs> truth will be told. But um, as a platform for people who don't have access to, you know, ready access and funds to the considerable advertising power that you need to try and get some of these things off the ground, it, it could just be a very useful and quite cost-effective way of getting, a, you know, fairly considerable exposure for a new game. So by all means, have a chat with Joe or anybody else for that matter and say... <laughs> This is the, you know, this is a very good in to getting uh, your game reviewed and promoted on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, it's, yeah, it's a good opportunity. I think. Um, yeah. Do you have any idea what kind of? Uh, I suppose it's a total shot in the dark. But you, you've got quite a big listener um, group for your podcast at the moment. Are you hoping that pretty much uh, most of them will come over and watch the show as well? Just thinking about viewing figures for the advertisers. Well, to be honest, the. Um Podcast listeners and viewers and uh, and YouTube viewers are a very different crowd altogether um, because an awful lot of the podcast listeners, what they do is to listen to the podcast while they're driving or, you know, on the commute home or mm. while they're exercising or whatever. Whereas to commit yourself to watch something, it has to be very, very entertaining. Now, depending on if, if I have to follow the figures that are unboxing videos bring you know we have some unboxing videos with thousands upon thousands of of views and we have others that only gather a few hundred because the videos only interest those people who are interested in the game itself Mm -hmm. you know if you're not interested in uh, Battlestar Galactica as a game then you're not going to watch the the unboxing video because it's not for you which is fair enough whereas we are hoping that this is going to attract a much more rounded amount of, of viewers and uh, the other thing is that we're also hoping that it's going to attract viewers from the food side of things. You know, people who may not be interested in the gaming, but they might be interested in the cookery side of the show. So it's, it really is very difficult to predict um, how many viewers we are going to have. But just the fact that we are aiming at both fields, you know, yeah. cook, food, uh, food and, and games. Yeah. We are hoping that will widen the scope for, for how many how many uh, viewers we have. Yeah. Well, presumably with the level of kit that you're looking at here, you're not planning just one series, are you? You're going to be hoping for continuing it on after this series. So hopefully the figures will just grow from then on, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, the the first season um, is going to be 15 episodes for everyone. Uh, So regardless of how much money we get, 15 episodes will be produced for the general public. And uh, then for every single stretch goal we hit, we're going to produce another episode that's going to be exclusively for the backers. Those episodes will be completely invisible to anybody who's not backed okay. the project. Uh, and this is our way to say to the backers, you know, you matter. You, we really want you on board and uh, you're going to get more for your money if you actually um, help us, uh, basically. Yeah, that's a nice little touch, actually. I like that. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> okay, well, uh, so how do people find you most easily on Kickstarter then? 
either by searching for dice and slice with uh, and being an ampersand, mm -hmm. or if they come to gmsmagazine.com, uh, there is a banner to the right, and they can click on the banner, and uh, they will be taken right away onto the Kickstarter page, or they can follow me on Twitter, um, and I'm, I'm raving about the project constantly. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, I'm ready about it constantly and I am at GMS Magazine or they can find me Paco Jaén in uh, Facebook as well or Google Plus um, I'm just talking about the project so wherever they find me they will find the project yeah. <laughs> good stuff okay and a, a final question just because I have to ask because of the theme of our show have you ever had a go at uh, designing your own game have you had any uh, good uh, spectacular successes or failures yourself that way um, yes and no. I have um, I have had a go at designing my very own role playing game. Uh, in fact, I have at the moment two projects ongoing. Uh, one is a work in progress called, for the time being, uh, Wizards Friends, and it is a game that is specifically orientated to help parents play role-playing games with children, with very little children, you know, children between four and eight, nine years old. And, and the whole thing has been devised about how to make a role-playing game with any toy you may find around the house. Uh, and, and use games like um, Operation or Buckaroo or Hungry Hippos as, as, as a tool that you can use to enhance the adventure that your children can have, you know, um, using things like that, if you want to make a potion, uh, well, use your smoothie machine to for that smoothie machine to become suddenly the alchemist's lab in which you're going to concoct this magic potion of protection against lycanthropes or whatever. So that's that. Um, I also have another game that I'm working with with an American friend called Meg Castro. She's a novelist, and um, we're working on a game called Demonorum. Uh, which is a post-apocalyptic game in which some sort of demonic plague has taken over the world and has eradicated 99% of the population. You know, there are about, I don't know, 100 million people left alive in the world. And of those, only 1% are men. It is overwhelmingly a female-populated world. And the reason for that is because this plague only affect men. Men become uh, these demonic, horrendous figures with different powers depending on what kind of human you were when you were alive. And if you're a man and you are wounded, then you become this odious killing machine. If you're a woman, if you're wounded, you either die or you survive. You don't become one of the beasts. And if you survive and you have a child that child comes with some sort of psionic abilities um, because of this wound, this contact that you had with this entity that nobody knows where they come from. Um, so it's, it's a very dark, uh, very gritty game uh, that we're going to be writing for the next year or so in my spare time, um, which is incredibly thin on the ground. <laughs> And, and see what happens. But yeah, that, those, those are my two role-playing game projects that are going on at the moment. That's great. The, the uh, latter one sounds pretty interesting. I'd like to have a look at that. But the okay. former actually captures my uh, interest just because my, uh, my son's getting towards the uh, four age at the moment. It'd be great to think that I could actually get him into some uh, role-playing 
well, probably to my wife's uh, dismay, but uh, <laughs> if I could manage to get a game out of him at that age, that'd be great, actually. So yeah, it's really interesting that you're going for yeah. I'll send you the draft if you want to. You can take a look and let me know what you think. It'd be good to, to have the voice. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... Well, I've certainly not come across so far many uh, RPGs aimed at uh, really young children. So yeah, that's quite a good uh, little niche there. Well, I, I heard somebody once complaining and saying, well, when you become a father... <laughs> you don't have any more time for playing, playing games. I just thought, nonsense, there must be a way. I'm going to find it. And Absolutely. <laughs> well, see, I, I just keep thinking that I, it means I'm, I'm kind of growing my own little gaming team that are always going to be on hand to play, as long as yeah. I instill the uh, the passion in them as well. <laughs> exactly, and yeah, and you cannot. You're being naughty today, total party kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, behave again. <laughs> yes, you're being naughty. You're not, you're not going to play football. You've got to play Warhammer with me. This actually is a whole new dimension to things, isn't it? Really, because there are, you know, there are families in the world who who want to bring up children in order to have their own football team. Yeah, they're obviously going to produce one. So you had a whole lot of, of um, gamers. Absolutely, so it's a whole, that's a whole new ambition altogether. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've got to have force. I've got full party. I need my rogue, my warrior, my my sorcerer. You know. <laughs> Try not to cast them in these roles too early in their lives. They might not be. Oh, no, that's the opposite. You have to, the earlier the better. That way they level up more often and they become exactly. more powerful. Yeah, you yeah, don't want to multi class and then wasting those levels. Oh, no, 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 that's sinful. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, well, uh, that's us uh, nearly in an hour, actually. So, no, 50 minutes. So, but great. That's been really good talking to you. Good to meet you guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very, very much for having us. It's been tremendous fun. Thank you. Great. Thanks. And yeah, and uh, good luck with your Kickstarter. I mean, it's already funded, but I hope you uh, get up to the really shiny bits of kit up there. I want to see uh, these uh, extra good switchers working. That'd be wonderful. Just think vegan. That's that's the way to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. And I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. So thanks again for listening, folks. Just to the usual outro, we'd love to get some feedback. Really want to hear from you, uh, whether it's features for the future, whether it's questions about gaming, anything you want, get in touch. You can get us on email at podcast at dicingwithdesign.com. You can get us on Twitter at dicingwithdesign. Or you can leave us a voicemail now via our SpeakPipe page, which is on the Dicing With Design website. So just go to dicingwithdesign.com and you'll find the button on the far right side. Just have your microphone ready and you can record a message straight from there. Finally, you can go to any of the show notes pages and drop us a comment on the episode. So again, love to hear from you. And if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, that'd be most appreciated. It really helps us get the word out about the podcast. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>